Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Coming up at 3.30, Ted Nguyen for The Athletic. Going to talk all things offensive line, in particular Alex Leatherwood. He had a sit-down with Mitchell Swartz, uh, all-pro offensive lineman, and uh, talked about Alex Leatherwood, his technique, uh, what he sees could be the issue from him understanding what this uh, regime wants him to do and what possibly could end up happening with Alex Leatherwood as early as tomorrow. He might be a guy that has Ed Graney, who we had on the last hour, and Damon Cotton, who's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, have both said that they think he makes the roster. I don't. I do not. I'm one of those that do not, but I think that I'm in the majority where uh, Damon and Ed are in the minority, but you never know. Uh, these guys, these coaching staff in this front office obviously knows a lot more than any of us do, so they know what they're looking for, and we'll talk to Ted coming up at 3.30 about that. Threw out there the question on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword r Who do you believe earned their roster spot on Friday night or just throughout the course of camp? Who do you think earned their roster spot? Had a lot of good answers. And, of course, if you want to give us a, a response to who do you think lost the roster spot, you could do that as well. But I'm just really looking for who do you think earned a spot. 69187, keyword r 702-365-9200. In a few minutes, you'll hear from uh, the great Jim Plunkett. Had an opportunity to catch up with him before the game on Friday versus New England. Uh, got a text here from Jordan in southern Utah. It says, Q and DeMond. Uh, Masterson looked good for sure, but also Bowers. That guy put some good stuff on film and made plays. I think him and Coons will provide very solid depth at the edge rusher position. And yeah, Tashawn Bowers. Let's let's talk about him. Nick Bowers was released on uh on, or actually waived on Sunday, but Tashawn Bowers is a guy that I think. Man, he provided a little something. something. He, he provided a little juice, and you could tell that he really appreciated every rep that he got throughout the course of the preseason. It looked like he was just working, 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 trying to improve. And I think he left a pretty good impression on this staff. He was one of those players that, for me, I didn't want to buy into too much of the preseason hype, but yeah. every game he looked good. And I know we say, hey, the wins and losses don't matter. The performances do. I, like, like the texter said, he put on a lot of good work on film. And I know that, you know, sacks, the defensive, the defensive line, they're all working together, but he was getting sacks as well. And he's getting after the quarterback. Did he earn a spot on this team? I think so. Yeah, it feels like it. Uh, Jason and Maryland hit us up, talking about Alex Leatherwood. Why would Leatherwood want to talk to y'all? Y'all been burying him for weeks. He's not a meek, nor is he Clee. You're burying him right now because he didn't talk to y'all. That was his decision. But you basically telling on him to everybody probably justified his feelings in his mind, and you didn't have to do that. He played a bad game on top of everything. So, yeah, I'm sure he didn't want to talk. I didn't think I was telling on him. I was just telling the story. But I understand where you're coming from. So, okay, no problem. Uh, again, i just like to go ahead and let you know what's going on. I like to pass along the message and pass along the story and let you know how everything shakes out, trying to take you behind the scenes, but that's cool. Uh, hey, no, no problem. Um, you know, some guys talk, some guys don't. Like I said, he doesn't have to talk. I just thought that he would, but, but he didn't. And for the most part, Alex Leatherwood's been really good as far as talking. He's talked just about every time that, uh, you know, he's either been brought to the podium or he's, uh, you know, or any time he's been approached to talk, uh, including the last time he talked to us was at the – the softball game, right? The charity softball game uh, at Las Vegas Ballpark. So good stuff, Jason. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. Uh, let's go out to the phone lines real quick at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy, ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, how's it going? Uh, Fantastic. Thanks for taking my call. Um, 
the person who I think uh, made the team, you already know who, who it is. I, I, I called this when he was at Cal. <laughs> Garbers. Chase Garbers. Chase Garbers. I mean, he play, I mean, he didn't lose the game. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the uh, – they got an NFL coach who, who prepared him, and he runs a type of John Gruden offense. So th- th- this type of offense is not going to scare him. Probably a lot of the same concepts, I bet you. Because he looked, looked more comfortable than he should be. Okay, yeah. I mean, maybe he doesn't make it, but, I mean, he just about every time he went on the field, he, he led some kind of either field goal or touchdown drive. That's all you can ask for. Right. So I think he should get, I think he should get a spot. Okay. But if he doesn't, he, somebody's going to pick him up. I mean, he's done enough to make, to make the team. And I'm calling the other one now. They got another one coming out that's going to be better than him, and that's Plummer. He, but, you know, he's not going to – somebody's going to draft him. He, that dude is ready. But anyway, that's all I got, Q. All What's right. up, Jamon? <laughs> Check you later. All right, man. Appreciate the call. And, yeah, Chase Garbers, you've been talking about him since he was an undrafted free agent for the Raiders, uh, signing him uh, right out of Cal. And, uh, look, I think that he's a practice squad guy. I really do. But if the Raiders decide to hold on to three quarterbacks, which, I again, my gut feeling tells me that they don't, but that's just my gut feeling. I, I don't know what their plan is. I do know what Josh McDaniel said early in the process is that he wanted to have a quarterback and he wanted to be able to develop him. I think that that guy is going to be Jared Stidham. He's going to continue to try to develop him because he's been with them for a while. But you never know. You never know how they feel about Garbers. He, he didn't do anything bad. Let's put it like that in the preseason. I thought he was pretty good, as a matter of fact. So I think he's a practice squad guy. But when you put him on the practice squad, you do exactly what you just said. You run the risk of somebody coming and plucking him off the practice squad. So I totally understand where you're coming from. So thank you so much for that call. Appreciate you. Uh, Raider Sean hit us up on the Sam and Ash text line. He's texting out the 916. He said, the amount of crow I'm going to be eating, I feel, tomorrow here. I thought Leatherwood would end up being a Pro Bowl offensive lineman for us. I heard I heard they're making calls, though, in regards to right tackle. I feel like Clea's got a spot just based off of how McDaniel seemed to cover him in the presser. So Raider Sean thinks he's going to eat a lot of crow, having to deal with Alex Leatherwood, uh, possibly being either released or traded. Who knows? And then feels like Clee has uh, earned a spot. Vegas Pete hit us up. With Parker out now, the Raiders need to keep at least eight offensive linemen. Miller, Simpson, James, Cotton, Illuminor, Barton, who played well in preseason at tackle, Parham, and Leatherwood. Maybe Bars and Mumford on the practice squad. I think you need to give a drafted player three years to allow him to adjust to the game speed. Also, there's a new playbook to learn. So it may be Leatherwood as a guard, just like Gallery turned out to be. I feel for the guy. Can you imagine if Cliff Branch was under the microscope like Leatherwood is? He would have never been able to develop and cure his drops. That's from Vegas Pete. And maybe they'll give him three years. I just don't think so because they didn't draft him, right? I think if they draft him, it would be a different story. But since they didn't, I think that they're just looking at him like, hey, we don't see how he fits in this in this scheme, we don't see him developing like we want him to. There's guys on the squad, and I heard Vinny say this, so I got to shout out Vinny. He said this on the morning tailgate this morning. There's guys on the team that are not fully developed that they see and they, they like the trend and the direction that they're going. So they're going to have them on the squad because they believe that that person could continue to develop. If they feel like Alex Leatherwood is that guy, that's, they'll keep him on the roster. But if they feel like that he's not trending in the right direction, then most likely they won't. I think that's the biggest key right there. But for the most part, uh, and I said it, what, Damon? I don't know how long that I think that he's a guard as well. I don't think he's a tackle. You know, I said that from the jump, but we'll see. You yeah, know. you've you've been on that train that, hey, he's just a guard. And that was really interesting. So shout out to Vinny as well, because that made me think maybe he's just not going to be that guy on the Raiders. 
Right. And that's not that maybe they're wrong about it, but just for right now, when you're in a win-now mode, right. you can't give a guy three years when the window is three years. It could be a Brian Edwards situation. I still think Brian Edwards is a good wide receiver. I just don't think he was good for the team right now. Right? So Atlanta might have got them a gem. Atlanta might be on to something really good and, and have a guy that has time to develop because right now, does anyone in Atlanta believe that they're in win-now mode? No. They, they could take the time to develop a guy. I don't think the Raiders have that same opportunity because, as DeMond just said, there's a window. We've been talking about the window for a while, and I feel like that that window that they have is two, three-year window max, and I don't know if they have the time to allow a guy to develop like that. So we will see, but it's, it's a very interesting uh, – it's a very interesting uh, you know, scenario, and we'll see how the, the roster shakes out. Before we get to Jim Plunkett uh, and hearing from him, and that was fun to talk to him before the game on Friday, I want you to hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. And the question I actually asked him to end the presser on Saturday was about how was it, because Josh McDaniels has really embraced being a Raiders head coach and really the tradition of Raider Nation and everything. And I know a lot of people questioned it when he first took over the job because he was a Patriot, including myself. I didn't think that he was going to be very good impressors, and he's been fantastic. You know, and so I don't mind being wrong, and I have no problem coming out and saying, hey, look, I was 100% wrong. I thought Josh McDaniels was going to be one way. He's been absolutely 100% the other way, and so it's been great, right? I think that everything has been good uh, with head coach Josh McDaniels, but here's him talking about how it felt to be around so many former Raiders on Friday night. Really special. Um, got a chance to talk to a few of them yesterday. I'll get a chance to uh, see a few more of them tonight, um, but it's just – uh, it's such a uh, what a blessing to have this kind of rich tradition in history. And then, you know, you can see Mr. Davis's commitment to them. You know, we have that moniker, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider. And it's it's obviously true here. And and so those those people that laid the groundwork and the foundation for us, uh, they've set the standard. We know what the commitment to excellence is because we saw them uh, do it and, and lay it out there for us years and years ago. And um, and so we're, I thought the guys were really excited to have an opportunity to perform in front of them yesterday. Um, you saw a couple of our guys celebrate down there towards the end zone where they were all at. So, um, no, it's just a, this is a special place. And the more I've been here, the, the more I've understood that, um, I've, I've tried to embrace that in every way that I could. I think our staff and our players do the same thing, but, um, it wouldn't be here if it wasn't for those 300 and some guys that were here last night. Uh, you know, that, 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 that did all the dirty work and all the hard work long ago uh, to, to show us exactly what what being a Raider means. So uh, it was no, it was uh, our honor to have an opportunity to compete in front of them and have them there and, and, uh, and try to do the, the right thing and win the game for them. So uh, it was great to have them here. So we have been saying multiple times over 300. It ended up being about 240 of uh, the Raider alumni that was there. Well, it was, that was fantastic, though. Just seeing all those guys honored at halftime, seeing them all on the field, I thought that was really cool, and I was just glad to be in the building for that. Before the game actually started, we had an opportunity to talk to Raider alumni, including great, great quarterback, uh, former uh, Super Bowl MVP, a guy that a lot of people pound the table and say should be in the Hall of Fame. Got a chance to catch up with Jim Plunkett. Well, how's it feel to be here with all, all your brothers, over 300 alumni here? Hey, it's a lot of fun to get together, tell lies about how great we used to be, that kind of thing, you know. But it's good to see a lot of these guys. Have, some of them I haven't seen in a number of years. Others I see on a semi-regular basis, but it's always good uh, to get together. Who tells the most lies or who tells the most truth? Which Have you decided which one's the truth and what's the lies yet? Well, Jeff Barnes has probably... The most incredible memories, none of which are true. But I mean, you're coming from him, they sound like they're true. But no, it's, it's just good to get together and, and see how people are doing, their families and all that kind of stuff. You know, we're older. Uh, we have a different view on things. 
but we're all still excited to be here and, and, and watch the Raiders play tonight. What does it mean to be a member of the Silver and Black that takes as good as care of the alumni as the Raiders do? Well, it's, it's wonderful. You know, I played for three teams, and, and, and no offense to anybody else, believe me. Uh, but, you know, Mr. Davis and now Mark Davis has, has done a great job in bringing back many of the alumni, their families, their children, uh, as often as he can. And, uh, you know, it's our second time here in a couple of years, and, uh, and it's a lot of fun to catch up on, on how everybody else that we played with, uh, some against, uh, are doing. I'm some former Raiders, they're no longer with us, but to see their families that they get taken care of by the Raider organization, that's something big for you guys as well, right? Uh, there's no question about it. You know, as I said, uh, the generosity the uh, the Davis family has put forth and uh, bringing us all together on several occasions over these past many years has, has been tremendous for the organization and for us as, as former players and members of you know the Raider organization. You've been around with the team for a while. You were with the Raiders. Oh, you're not kidding. Now, still here. In 2022, when was the last time that you saw an ex- this excitement around a Raider team going into this season? Well, you know, it's always exciting. You know, they came very close last year. They had a very good year. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously your expectations are always high. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to the Raiders, you want them to see, do, uh, do well each and every week. Uh, uh, and, you know, I don't care how you win on the last second field goal or interception, whatever it takes. And, you know, they've got to you know, find a way to you know, get that done in some fashion. doesn't matter how, but uh, just get it done. And then hopefully if, uh, when the whistle blows at the end of the game, uh, they've come away winners. Jim, you've seen this franchise go from Oakland to LA back to Oakland now to Las Vegas even the younger guys on this squad they use the word brotherhood the pictures around the facility what it means your definition of Raider brotherhood well it's a lot of history you know and uh, you know you look back and and you know you learn about what happened before we got here uh as players, and uh, you know, I followed the Raiders since they, you know, they started in Oakland, 1960. I was you know, living in San Jose at the time, and uh, you know, I, I've always thought a lot, a lot about the team and a lot, a lot about the organization. I heard more about their players in San Francisco as well because I live in the Bay Area. But uh, you know, it, it and Mr. Davis being the owner, it had. I won't say mystique, that's overdoing it, but there was something about the Raiders and how they did things and, and the kind of characters they had on the football field, and that list goes on and on. And it, it intrigued you, it got you interested in, in, uh, in watching the Raiders play. It certainly did for me as a kid. What does it mean for you to see a guy that you threw a lot of touchdown passes in, Cliff Branch, go finally into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, a place that he should have been a long time ago? Uh, without question, uh, he was a dynamic player, uh, fastest guy on any field, you know, except maybe for Bob Hayes, but with a lot better hands, uh, a lot better moves. Uh, uh, I mean, he was just instrumental in the success that I had personally and the Raiders had in his team before I got there and while I was there. He was a, a tremendous asset to, to the offense and to the Raider organization. What is it, I mean, for you, you've talked to us many times about what you saw last year. You wanted to see the team throw the ball into the end zone more times than, than they did. This year, they have Devontae Adams. They have Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. It looks like they can do exactly that. How exciting can that be if they can get that going? Oh, you know, I always, you know, as a kid, I was bigger and stronger than most of the kids I was playing with, and I always threw the ball long, and that's why, you know, I wound up as a quarterback basically more than anything else. And, you know, and that's what I grew up with, and I, I like to see the ball in the air time and time again and not just you know you got to throw it underneath obviously on occasion but you know I like the long ball I like the prospect of you know being uh, third and ten on your own 
five yard line and going 95 yards right. and uh, and Cliff offered a lot of that sort of a lot of other players Todd Christensen was yeah. tremendous uh, Raymond Chester uh, you know and the list goes on and on they've had some fantastic wide receivers and tight ends over the years in your opinion how important is the Latino fan base for the Raiders you being with your heritage and now the Raiders having that marketing rights in Mexico how important is that it's huge come on you know <laughs> uh, you know and I don't look at it Hispanic or not Hispanic I look at them as Raider fans in general uh, and, and they've, they've been tremendous over the years you know you know I'm proud to be Hispanic uh, myself and and what it's done for the community as well. They got a lot of people involved and interested in the game that, you know, most of them grew up with soccer. And uh, so, but it's very exciting to see them. And, you know, we had a game in Mexico in the past and uh, uh, just the, you relish in their excitement and their enthusiasm when the Raiders come to town. There he was right there, the great Jim Plunkett, right before the game on a Friday. I got a chance to talk to a lot of Raider alumni, including Jim Plunkett, Jerry Robinson, Raymond Chester, as he mentioned right there, Mike Haynes, Phil Villapiano, Steve Wisniewski, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown, and more. We got a chance to catch up with all those guys, and you'll hear from them throughout the course of the week right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Before we take a break, let's go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our good fri- friend in Denver, Raider Dave. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey there, thank you. Um, just want to make a quick comment about Leatherwood and uh, an observation that is um, a question kind of about the attendance. And I think I had one other thing that I'll have to uh, stress on that. Um, I think Leatherwood just needs more time to develop because his foot speed isn't quite what it is. When you're blocking backwards and on a curve, as soon as you try to protect somebody from an inside spin move, if they don't do that, they're going to beat you around the apogee or the or the apex of the corner, and that's where he, then he's behind, and they beat him to the quarterback that way. I think his punching can come in, but it's the foot speed that I see that is better with the Luminor and a few others, uh, and Parker too, for that matter. And I think they're going to be fine, you know, with him at guard or without him. I think the dude is a powerful dude, and that's why he had such such success at Clemson. Um, the attendance thing. Who else is selling out preseason games in the NFL? <laughs> right. I mean, come on. So you know, I I believe that uh, this is going to be something that it's going to be tough to get a ticket to this. Thank goodness those of us in the media, you know, can apply for that and be able to get there. And I I'm, I can't wait for the Broncos game to uh, to be in LA or in Vegas for that. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Thank you for the call, my man. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. And you you mentioned the foot speed of uh, Alex Leatherwood. And one of the issues, and we're going to talk to Ted Nguyen from The Athletic coming up at 3.30, one of the issues that he talked about in his article was that sometimes Alex Leatherwood is too patient. And that goes back to what Raider Day was just talking about, his foot speed. He's too patient. He allows the plays to develop. But while he allows the play to develop and the def- defender to get to him, they're going right past him because he's not wanting to bite on the inside move. You know, he's afraid that somebody's going to try to come on the inside and uh, get him on, like, okey-doke. And so instead, he's real patient about it. Well, while he's waiting for them to make that move inside, someone on the outside is screaming past him. So that's something that he has to work on as well. But uh, Ted's piece is called Why Raiders Offensive Tackle Alex Leatherwood's Technical Flaws Continue to Ail Him. So we'll talk to Ted coming up at 3.30 about that. But we got more calls and texts coming up, 702-365-9200. Salmon has text line at 69187, keyword R&R. Plus, we'll hear from Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. We'll do all this next. He was talking about Alex Leatherwood and Tevin Jenkins also being on the trade block. We'll do it all next here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q 
on Raider Nation Radio. My man Damon Cotton is in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in the home studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We have my guy Ted Nguyen from The Athletic joining us in a couple of minutes to talk all things offensive line, and in particular Alex Leatherwood put out a piece on The Athletic late last week. Why Raiders offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood's technical flaws continue to ail him, and he had an opportunity to sit down with Mitchell Swartz, all-pro offensive lineman, to talk all things uh, and just look at the film of uh, Alex Leatherwood and kind of break it down, similar to what we heard from Raider Dave in Denver just a few minutes ago as he called us and said and noted his foot speed was not where it needs to be. So we'll do a deep dive into the film study with Ted Nguyen coming up at 3.30. Got a text from Sir Whiskey Ray on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, Q&D. Are we speaking of momentum? Loving how this team is playing as a unit. Limiting the penalties to a low four flags a game, no turnovers, and keeping injuries to a minimum. Couldn't have asked for a better way to start the upcoming season. I know it's preseason, but this will carry into the regular season. Let's go Raiders. That's from Sir Whiskey Ray. Lots of good stuff right there. And uh, the injuries, unfortunately, for the Raiders, uh, three guys that were put on the IR officially on Sunday. Tyler Lancaster, defensive tackle. You saw him get injured late on Friday night. Brandon Parker, he's been out since the Hall of Fame game. He is out, so he's out for the season. And Tay Davis, the linebacker, is also out for the season. Those are the three guys that are put on the IR. And the two guys that were waived on Sunday officially, Nick Bowers at tight end and Justin Hall at wide receiver. Uh, right now, though, I want you to hear, before we get to Ted Nguyen from The Athletic, I want you to hear what Ian Rappaport had to say on NFL Network earlier today. He was talking about Tevin Jenkins and Alex Leatherwood, both guys that were highly drafted. Alex in the first round, Tevin Jenkins gets to the second round, both being currently on the trade block. Well, let's talk about some of the guys who could end up being released. I would say maybe more likely traded. We'll see which way it goes. A lot of times, as you guys know, there's a, a little bit of both, a possible release, maybe a trade. We'll go to some offensive linemen, some highly drafted offensive linemen. First of all, Tevin Jenkins from the Chicago Bears been the subject of trade calls for a little less than a month now. I know the Chicago Bears, from my understanding, have engaged, have not come up with a deal just yet. Also moved him to garden. It sounds like he was somewhat impressive there. So I'm not so sure they cut him, but a trade, from my understanding, certainly possible here. Uh, another one that we have discussed really over the last month or so, Alex Leatherwood, the former first-rounder from the previous regime with the Las Vegas Raiders. I know he also has been the subject of trade calls. Uh, a a first-round pick that, let's just say, if it was the new regime was making the call, that's not where he would be taken now. But it is what it is. He is on the team as of now. And uh, certainly teams know that there's some vulnerability there. So they have been calling. We'll see if the Raiders end up doing a deal. Uh, they released... Uh, they've released some players who've been, who've been owed some money in the past. I hope they don't have to do that, but certainly those two names are, are guys to keep an eye on. Ian Rappaport earlier today on NFL Network talking about a couple highly drafted offensive linemen and Tevin Jenkins and both and Alex Leatherwood as well. And look, I've talked about Tevin Jenkins before because he's at the, he's with the Bears. Obviously, Champ Kelly, the assistant GM for the Raiders, he comes over from Chicago. He had a part in getting Tevin Jenkins to Chicago, and sounds like they kicked him inside the guard and he did a little bit better. I've seen some people in Chicago saying there's no way that they move on from him, but you never know. And he's been a guy that I was pretty interested in. I know a lot of Raider Nation was pretty interested in Tevin Jacobs when he was coming out in the draft. Thought he was a guy that had a nice little mean streak to him, a little nasty in him, you know, played a whistle to whistle, which is okay by me, but struggling right now in Chicago. And look, Alex Leatherwood is struggling right now with the Raiders. Does that mean that they're going to move on from him? Not necessarily, you know, but obviously there's – been conversations out there. Our own Vinny Bonsignor, he uh, was the first to report it, in my opinion, about uh, all 
all bets on the table, you know, when it comes to Alex Leatherwood. Like, anything could happen. He can end up being the starting right tackle. He could be the starting right guard. He can end up being released. He could be, uh, you know, traded. I mean, there's all kind of different things that could happen with Alex Leatherwood. But uh, the one thing I know is that he's obviously a subject of conversation, and, and that's okay. I mean, that's what happens when you have a new regime and they're trying to put together the best roster they can. They're going to go through everything with a fine-tooth comb. So that conversation has been something we've talked about for quite a while here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and, of course, on Twitter, conversations out there, and obviously on NFL Network, as Ian Rappaport said, have been talking about for about a month. So there's just that. So we'll get to, like I said, we'll get to Ted Nguyen coming up at 3.30 to talk all things Alex Leatherwood and what he's seeing doing a little bit of deep, deep diving into some uh, film study on what Alex has done this preseason. Got a text from the 702. DJ Turner should be uh, our new punt and kick returner. That's from Brazy in Vegas, talking about guys that have earned roster spots. And I think DJ Turner is a very interesting guy because I, I don't know if he's an NFL wide receiver, like right now, right? I think he's a guy that maybe needs a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more development. So he's a guy that I can see on the practice squad. But to Brazy's point, I think he also could play a role in the kick return game. So, I mean, you know, you can't have him on the practice squad and have him as kick returner, so you have to make a decision. Uh, that's why I think that this one's going to be a tough one for uh, Dave Ziegler and company just because I don't know how much action he'd actually get as a receiver, but I do think he has skills and I think he has ability when it comes to the kick return game, and it depends on how much his coaching staff is comfortable with putting Hunter Renfro back there as far as the punt return goes. So, uh, very, very interesting. But, uh, Brazy, thank you so much for that text. Definitely something to pay attention to as the cutdowns come tomorrow. Join us now on the phone lines from The Athletic is our good friend, Ted Win. And, Ted, thanks so much for your time this afternoon, my man. I was checking out your piece, Why Raiders Offensive Tackle, Alex Leatherwood's Technical Flaws Continue to Ail Him, something that you put out on The Athletic. I thought it was really good. And you got a chance to sit down with all-pro right tackle Mitchell Swartz and really break down the film and see Alex Leatherwood, his technique, and everything that's going on. First of all, just to sit down with the all-pro offensive lineman like uh, Mitchell Swartz, what was that experience like for you? That was pretty awesome. I mean, you know, Mitchell's a super knowledgeable um, guy in all, you know, everything football, not just offensive line uh, stuff. And, and me and him have been following each, following each other for for a while, and you know, we, we chat football here and there when I post something. And he has an opinion. He'll chat with me about it. So it's always great to pick his mind and uh, pretty blessed to have access to someone that is very knowledgeable and willing to talk. Yeah, I have no doubt about it. And uh, reading the piece, it was really good, just really good breakdowns. And we actually had a call from our guy Raider Dave in Denver, and he said that one of the things that he's noticing on film from Leatherwood is just as uh, his his feet his foot speed. It's just not quite there, and it's not quite there to be a, a tackle. And one of the pieces that are parts that you put out in the piece was about his patience, and sometimes he's a little too patient. Uh, talk to us about the patience that Leatherwood's showing and why that's actually hurting him in the long run. Yeah, so I, I, I disagree that it's his foot speed because I think he's actually really explosive and he has really fast feet and uh, he, he has changed of direction. But I think what really ails him is uh, it's more his processing. And I think right now he's being coached, or this is what Mitchell, you know, Mitchell Schwartz told me. He's, the technique he's learning is called hanging on the three. So when there's a defensive tackle that's in the B-gap inside shade of him, um, what he's being coached to do is to kind of help by sticking his inside arm there and just kind of patiently, uh, before he, you know, he takes a set, he's patiently waiting on a guard in case of a stunt or something like that. 
And, and what happens is that slows him down. And then when he finally gets out to the defensive end, I think he's being too patient trying to watch out for the inside move. And that doesn't allow him to you know, come out fully to meet the defensive end at the arc. And it looks like he's slow, but I think what, he's just being too patient and he's not getting out there fast enough. Talking right now with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic, talking all things Alex Leatherwood and his technique as he had a nice film study piece he put out on The Athletic talking about why Raiders offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood's technical flaws continue to ail him. Ted, how much of what's going on with Alex right now would you say is just in his mind and lack of confidence right now? I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I, I just when you watch him play, it just looks like he has no confidence in what he's doing. Uh, this is his third line coach in three years. Um, and I, from what I remember, he had a few line coaches at Alabama as well. And, you know, when you have different coaches that might be teaching you different techniques, um, you know, there nice, might be a lot of things swimming in his mind right now, and he's just not very confident in, in how to execute. Um, and, you know, I, I, you see it on a field where sometimes he just doesn't even get off the ball. You know, and that's like the most simple thing you can do is get off the ball. So um, it, it just seems like he's playing with no confidence and, um, it, you know, I think he needs to take a mental break and maybe sitting down to start the season might be a good thing for him. Maybe, you know, uh, there's rumors about you know, him being traded. I, I really don't think he'll, he'll get released for, you know, debt, how big his dead cap is. Um, but, you know, he, he, he definitely needs, needs a mental restart. Yeah, Ted, something else you, you and Mitchell also mentioned in the piece was that he keeps his hands low. And Mitchell said that he also kept his hands low, but Alex Leatherwood's hands are just too low. Is that something that can be correctable over time, or is that just the player that he's going to be? Yes, yeah, so, so you know, Schwartz said that he likes to keep his hands low because it allows him to actually punch upwards. And uh, with Leatherwood, he keeps his hand, hands low and he punches low. So that's not a good combination. And when he does punch, sometimes it's kind of like a straight jab. You don't you don't get a lot of power when you're just kind of you know throwing your arms straight out rather than you know get going up kind of like a power clean where you can throw your body into it and, and get a real punch. Um, and and I, I talked to Schwartz about it. He seems to think that it's a it's a relatively um, easy fix. Uh, but obviously, you know, when you're in real time going against defensive ends that are flying off the ball. You know, sometimes you're going to revert back to bad habits. So it, it, he just really needs to reinforce uh, or to to learn how to to properly punch and just to reinforce it over and over again. Uh, which is why I think you know maybe going to the bench and just really focusing on his technique and building more better uh, better habits and better muscle memory uh, would be good for him. So he doesn't have to go out there you know against a high caliber defensive end and just kind of have his technique. Um, go back, you know, revert back into bad habits because he's just trying to catch up. Talking right now with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. Ted, do you think, in your opinion, maybe Mitchell spoke on this as well, do you think he's better suited to be tackle or guard? Um, I, I think he has the, the, I think he has explosion athleticism to be a tackle. And, you know, just based on the things that we've talked about and, you know, all these different techniques he's learning, uh, I think it'd be best for him to just stick at one position. If he's going to go to guard, you know, stay at guard for, for the rest of your career. But, you know, I think that's going to be another adjustment period, having to jump back into guard, uh, where I think, you know, he has value at tackle if he could just get these techniques down, uh, just leave him in one place, let him, let him just get comfortable there, let him learn the techniques there instead of trying to move them around again, which could be, I think, you know, detrimental to his development. 
something else that uh, Mitchell Schwartz had mentioned in the piece was uh, that it's hard to keep your foot, your feet moving when your weight is too far in front of you. What does he mean by Alex Leatherwood's weight is too far in front of him? Is it just the fact that he's just leaning too much? Yeah, I think there's times when he does, he's not, you know, he loses confidence in, in using his punch because, you know, his punch is not strong, as we talked about. Sometimes yeah. it's too low, and sometimes it's kind of just like a straight jab. And when he does that, uh, defensive ends are easily able to knock it down. And once you knock down that inside arm, uh, you're beat. So there, there's times where it looks like he's hesitant to even use his, his arms. So instead of using his arms, he'll lean into a defender. And when you lean into a defender, you know, you're at his mercy. You know, you, you can't get much power going. Your feet, uh, it's hard for you to move your feet and, and stay up, keep up with them. So it, it's kind of, you know, that, why that big technical flaw just, you know, kind of leads to a snowball effect of other things because you're just compensating. Ted, I know that this piece was mainly focused on Alex Leatherwood, but in watching the tape, you had to look at some of the other offensive linemen on that O-line. Was there anyone's technique that maybe Alex Leatherwood can try to mimic from what you've seen in preseason for the scheme that they're teaching of, hey, this guy's doing it right? Yeah, I, mean, I think, uh, just, uh, I think uh, Jermaine Illuminor does things well, but you know, at the same time, he, you know, when you watch him play, it's not perfect either. You know, he does get beat sometimes, but I think if you look at him, his technique does look a little bit better. Uh, he he needs to be more consistent, um, but you know I think he at this time will be a better starter at at tackle than um, than Leatherwood right now. Talking right now with Ted DeWin from the Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. Talking all things offensive line. Uh, did you have an opportunity to kind of break down what you've seen from rookie Dylan Parham so far in the preseason, uh, playing all three inside positions? And if so, did did Mitchell have an opportunity to uh, speak on Parham as well? No, he, he didn't speak on, on Parham, but, you know, I, I think Parham has been impressive. I think he's made some rookie mistakes throughout the preseason, but, you know, of course he's a rookie. You expect him to make some mistakes. Uh, but I just think it's really impressive how he's able to play three different positions, and I think his athleticism just jumps off the film when, when you watch him, you know, in, in the open space. You see how quick his feet are. Um, you know, you, I think you want to see him have a little bit more power, but I think that will um, – you know, some of some some more play strength will get added to his game as he he gets a little bit older, or just maybe a little more confident in, in what he's doing. And go back to your last question, by the way. If you want to, you know, if you want to watch somebody that does the techniques right and is very fundamentally fundamentally sound, all you got to do is watch uh, Colton Miller. You know, hmm. the, the left he he's uh, one of the best in the league, and uh, you know he's a combination of athleticism and um, just very fundamentally sound, sound player. And like Leatherwood. They drafted him, you know, as a project, um, too, where, you know, he there was he had some major technical flaws in college, but he was able to get through that, and, and now he's a very fundamentally sound player, and he's one of the best left tackles in the game. You know, Ted, I'm glad you brought up Colton Miller because a lot of people will call us or text us in and say, hey, uh, you know, Miller struggled his rookie year, and then now look where he's at right now. And as you mentioned, one of the best left tackles in the league. Do you see the same struggles from both guys, or is this in two different classes? It's in two different classes because uh, Miller, his rookie year, he actually played was playing pretty well. Um, you know, he had a technical flaw where he had a false step in his um, a false step in his his vertical set, which is uh, I think harder to correct than um, than you know your punching technique. But he, and he still kind of did it here and there. But I thought he played really well early on in his rookie year, and then he got hurt right. and he tried to play through his injury. 
And uh, I think it, he showcased his toughness throughout his rookie year, but, I mean, that injury just really affected his play. Um, so I, I think there's two different cases. Uh, Miller, I think, was able to develop a lot faster uh, than Leatherwood. And that's not to say that, you know, it, it's fair to compare these two. Um, Leatherwood obviously is kind of behind eight ball in his development, but I still think there's some hope that he can uh, fix things. Do you think that there's a, a chance, and, and sometimes we hear this uh, in football, that you know guys just need a change of scenery? Do you think that if the Raiders were to find a trade partner, that might be the best thing for Leatherwood to not have the pressures of being that number 17 overall pick and just having a chance to go and grow? Yeah, we've seen this happen in the past where you know sometimes you just need to be somewhere new. You need to start start somewhere fresh, and you need to go somewhere where there isn't much expectation. Um, I think a good example of that is uh, Lakin Tomlinson. Uh, I believe he was drafted by the New York Giants, but in a pretty early, and he didn't play too well. Went to the Niners and became a really, really reliable guard. Signed a big contract with New York Jets um, this off season. So we've seen examples where um, it, it has happened with offensive linemen where they just needed a change of scenery uh, for that light bulb, light bulb to click. So um, you know, it, it, I, I think. You know, obviously for the Raiders, it would not be a good thing um, right. to give up on a first-round draft pick that early. You know, I, I think ideally he could sit uh, this season and, and develop, and maybe later in the season if they need him to come in and play, uh, hopefully he plays a lot better. Um, obviously that would be the ideal situation, but we'll see what happens. There's a lot of rumors going on right now. Yeah, there is, and of course the you know the the roster uh, trimming comes up tomorrow at one o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Have to have the roster down to fifty three from the current seventy five state that the Raiders are at right now. Ted, before we let you go, I don't know if you had a chance to check them out. If you didn't, that's okay. But uh, seventh round pick Thayer Munford was getting a little bit of burn, and then he got injured, and we haven't seen him yet. But uh, he looked like he was getting an opportunity also to maybe compete for that starting right tackle position. If you had a chance to check him out, what have you seen for Thayer Munford so far? Yeah, when I he he played against the Vikings, he played. Uh, he started the first half, and I thought he played a really clean game. You know, he did. I think he allowed a, a couple of pressures, but overall, it's just very clean. Uh, did a good job of, of passing on stunts, um, and he. Uh, you know, I think his punch was a lot better in Leatherwoods, uh, but he played against the Vikings second and third stringers, uh, so he it just wasn't very. Uh, great competition. So I was really curious to see how he would play against better competition, but unfortunately, uh, the injury kept him out. Um, so I, I think Mumford is, is a question mark, but, you know, he, he showed some, some promising signs, signs against the Vikings, and obviously he's done some good things in practice, or else he wouldn't have got, had that opportunity. So unfortunately, he was hurt. Um, so I, I just think that, you know, going with the Luminor is probably the, the safe choice, uh, but we'll see where Mumford is when he, he gets back. Absolutely. Well, good stuff. That's Ted Nguyen from The Athletic on Twitter at FB underscore Film Analysis. And here with us on Unnecessary Rough, this Radio Nation Radio 920. Ted, you got anything coming out on The Athletic that uh, we need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, I got my final thoughts on the preseason uh, coming out tomorrow. So check that out on The Athletic. Nice. nice. Anything on the YouTube page? Uh, no, the NFL is just uh, is hating on me. So <laughs> they're, they're not allowing me to post film on, on my YouTube page. So that's on hiatus for right now. Gotcha. Well, you know, sometimes they do that. That damn NFL, yeah. they'll start they'll start <laughs> hating on you. But, uh, Ted, you do great work, man, great breakdown, and that was a really good piece uh, that you put out on The Athletic about uh, offensive tackle Alex Leatherwood. Thanks so much for your time, my man. No problem. Have a good one.
All right, you too. There he goes. Ted Nguyen from The Athletic getting hated on by the NFL. Imagine that, the NFL hating on someone else. You know, it's so funny. Uh, they, they do things like that, man. The NFL cracks me up. You know, uh, gambling, no, 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 can't do any gambling. Now it's like, hey, gambling's great. You know, uh, DraftKings is on every single every single website that is NFL-related. The first thing you go to NFL.com, you see something, fantasy football. I remember when Tony Romo was doing that whole fantasy football uh, convention. It was going to be here in Las Vegas. We were all going to make a trip, and all of a sudden it got canceled because the NFL didn't have their hands on it. But the, the minute the NFL gets their hands on it, it is all good to go. So uh, many thanks to Ted for joining us and giving us some good breakdown, I thought, on Alex Leatherwood and, you know, what he thinks. And uh, maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe he just needs to sit it on down for a while and regain his confidence. I mean, it could be as simple as that. That's something else I've been talking about on the show. Look, I'm no expert. I never claim to be an expert. I don't try to pretend to be an expert. But I can tell when someone's lost their confidence. And Alex Leatherwood, uh, again, I go back to the moment that he lost his, his confidence was against Chandler Jones in a rep in practice. He wrecked him, and it was a, it was a – it was over ever, ever since then. So uh, clearly that's one of the biggest issues facing Leatherwood right now is the lack of confidence. 344 is the time. We'll come back. We'll hear from Cleve Furl. He was in the locker room following the game. We got a chance to catch up with him. you hear that conversation next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 349 is the time. Just got a few minutes left here before we hit the top of the hour. Want to get into some conversation that we had in the locker room with Cleve Furl following the game on Friday. Uh, before we get into that conversation with Cleve Furl, though, want you to hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. He talked about Cleve on Saturday following the game, talking about what Cleve brings to the defense. He's a physical guy, you know, and we obviously want to want to put a tough physical defense out there on the field. And uh, Cleveland's demonstrated the ability to do that in more than one spot. Um, you know, he. Uh, he, he set the edge a handful of times last night, which is a good thing to see. He uh, was involved in the pass rush some, um, you know, and dropped into coverage actually a couple of times. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things we ask those guys to do on the edge. Uh, Clee's uh, definitely uh, going to try to make up for a little bit of lost time here, but that's okay. Uh, that's that's what, what, you know, what these practices going forward will be about, um, you know, for him and, uh, he's been involved in each meeting. He's he's paid attention. He understands what his roles are that we're asking him to play. And uh, like I said, it was good to get him back out there. And um, you know, you could see, you know, in the in the limited number of opportunities he had last night, you could see some of the things that uh, that we're that we're looking forward to with Cleveland. There you go, head coach Joshua Daniels talking about Cleve Furl, and he did go out there on Friday night and do the best he could and played multiple positions and basically did whatever he was asked of. Well, he also was asked to talk to us following the game in the locker room, and he did that. Here's that conversation. I just feel like, um, well, you know, obviously anytime you get a new coaching staff, right, it's all going to be new. But I feel like just in regards to change, I just feel like we are definitely on the path of moving in the right direction. It's just putting the right the amount of work in, sure. How frustrating were those games that are the, the days he had to miss a practice and not being able to be out there? Man, super frustrating because it's just about, you know, it's like, especially how we see our guys out there right now, like, yeah. that was a progression. Like, it took time for us to get to this point to where guys who maybe a lot of people didn't know about was really playing and you kind of see the fruition of it now, like Tashawn killing it, Malcolm doing well. So I do miss those reps just because, you know, it could have, I wish I really could have got to show what I had put together in the offseason. But at the same time, you know, Got to take it one day at a time. God got a plan and stick it to it. Since you couldn't be out there physically, what kind of work were you doing trying to pick up that system as much as you could? Oh, man. Whether it was just – it's really just because the, the playbook is, is, you know, I feel like they ask things that make us become really, really good football players. So our knowledge is just 
really been compacted into what PG is. You know, he's opened my mind in regards to football. So it's really just been a lot of like getting on the trash cans about myself, whether I'm on the team or I'm not a meeting. So I've ever. It's been good. It's been good. I mean, you only been in the league for a few years, but you had yeah. Three, three different defensive coordinators, I think. Um, yeah. you know, from yeah, three? Yeah, it's from been three. Before. No, four. Four. Yeah. Four. Rob Marinelli yeah. was when one of them got fired. Yeah, so four. <laughs> he was. Half the season, he yeah, was. Four. Right. Yeah, yeah. But have you kind of picked up, like, you know, things that, you know, from having to go through switching those systems that help you, you know, it's a new system, kind of having to go through that process? Most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. And I would say I've learned something from all of them, whether it was PG, whether it was Gus Bradley, um, Rod Marinelli was a major impact on me. PG just expanded my, my football knowledge so far to a whole different level. So I'm really excited for our team and see where we can really take it as a defense. Most definitely. Yeah. With, with the time that you were out, do you feel like you had time to show you know the staff what you what you had much to do? Oh, because, well, you know, I still had all the OTAs where we were, had some slight competition. And people got to remember this. We started training camp early. So I had already had about a good uh, six, seven practices the coaches and whatnot, but it was just tough because I had gotten hurt the first day of pads. But, you know, coming back out, getting two joint practices against the Patriots, like, I feel good. Feel what good. goes through your mind when you get hurt on that first day of pads and you know everyone's out there competing for spots? Me, personally, for me, it was more so just like a little bit of a I don't want to say disappointed, but it's just another hurdle you got to overcome. You yeah. know, it's a part of the game, but to say that I was feeling really, really good going into that, and obviously I feel like I was having a great day of practice. You know, obviously it's tough, but, you know, it's a part of the game, and I feel like uh, coaches did a great job of letting me get a chance to heal for sure, so it's been good. You mentioned the culture change. You guys had one yeah. penalty tonight, and that's kind of been a theme throughout the course of preseason, very little penalties. Have, have yeah. you noticed that attention to detail? Uh, most definitely. I think uh, uh, Josh um, hones in on it in practice. Our coaches do for sure. Rob and uh, Matt do a great job of helping us hone in on it, and uh, so it's been good. It's been really, really good. You know, and I think that's a big, a big thing that's happened a lot, obviously, for now. You feel it all like you know, you're having to play catch up, being you just came back this week. Uh, well, here's the thing: we got two weeks before the first game, and it's really more so like it's just a, a pad level technique and just not being out there. So it's really more so just getting back in the game shape because I feel like I had a, I had had a really good floor or. Um, baseline when I was going into camp and I was feel like I was doing really really well so it's mostly just about um knocking off the rush you know you have I mean? a different mindset going into a contract year at all or is it pretty much the same as before um I think the plan has always been the same you know obviously um the preparation it's not even more so thinking about the contract year man it's just more so for me bro I've been going into my fourth year here and the biggest thing regardless of whether you're playing well or playing bad Everything feels better when you win it. You know what I mean? So I think just buying into the culture here is the biggest thing for me or anybody that we can do because regardless of whether anybody here playing good or playing bad, when you win it, you see, <laughs> when you win it, when you win it, it makes everything better. And I think that's what we all trying to buy into for sure. Moving around a lot, dropping back into coverage, things like that. What yeah. do you what I like about this defense and what do you think you showed the coaching staff? Coach? Um, I, man, I love everything about it because it really stretches you out as a, as a football player. I mean, it makes you – it makes you – go navigating and really find every inch of what you can potentially do. And I think for me, man, it's been a blessing for sure for, for PG to um, ask me to do those certain things. So, you know, I take it with a grain of salt, man. I think it can make me, you know, flourish into something that, you know, can really, really prosper into something good one day, for sure. There you go. There's uh, there is Clee Furrow in the locker room. And I'll tell you right now, I don't know what the future holds for Clee. I think he makes the roster. I don't know what his, the rest of his career is going to be, and I know that he was overdrafted. I think that that's obvious. But you want to talk about a dude with the right attitude. This is talking about a guy on the first day of padded practice got hurt, got an ankle injury, and was forgotten about. 
I admittedly forgot completely about him, right? Until he until Tashawn pointed him out like, hey, Cleveland returned to practice. I had forgot, and shame on me for that. That's on me. I have no problem owning that. But you want to hear a dude with a good attitude? This dude's playing in the fourth preseason game as a former first-round draft pick, number four overall. A lot of questions about his roster spot. And this dude's got an attitude of, hey, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm buying into what the coaches are selling. I was at all the meetings. Uh, you know, I, it, it burned me up not to be able to be out there. He wants to compete. He wants to try to earn that spot. That's the kind of attitude you have to have. That's where it starts is with the attitude. And I think Cleve Farrell definitely has the right attitude to be someone that this coaching regime is going to want to coach up. 3.56 is the time. We'll come back, kick off hour number three of the show. Bernard will be up top. He's calling in on the Raider Nation listener line. We'll hit Bernard, and we'll also hear from Jerry Robinson, Raider alumni that was in attendance on Friday night. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.